Hello. I want to thank you for joining us on this Good Friday service. We're so grateful that you've taken the time to join us online. We want to encourage you that at any point that you want to connect to us through chat, or maybe in your own journey you feel quite alone and isolated, we want to invite you to join our many online groups through Willow Park Church. But we are gathering together on Good Friday to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, to remember all that he has given for us and the way that he gave his life for us upon the cross, the agony, the sacrifice, his commitment to us, to the world that he loves. Many people have gone to their death, of course. In Roman history, Many Roman leaders and Greek legends are about leaders who faced death. They were often incredibly stoic. They took their poison. They died. They were remembered for that. But here in the gospel accounts, we see Jesus who is struggling. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He is weeping. He is praying. He is speaking to his heavenly father. He's saying, if it is possible, let this cup depart from me. He's troubled. The Gospel of Mark tells us that his whole body was shaking. The word trouble means that he shook like a horse inside. When a horse neighs, his whole body was feeling the strain of the journey. Literally, it has that rhythm that he walked forward. He prayed. He fell to the ground. He got up. He walked forward. He prayed. He fell to the ground. Why? Well, the universal problem of sin, the universal problem of death and of darkness could only be solved, could only be healed through the divine, through Christ coming into this world, becoming a man and going where no man has ever gone before. The Lord Jesus Christ gave his life for us and today, We remember him. Step down into darkness Open my eyes, let me see Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with you So here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that you're my God You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy Altogether wonderful to me King of all days, oh so highly exalted Glorious in heaven above Humbly you came to the earth you created All for love's sake became poor So here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that you're my God You're altogether lovely Altogether worthy Altogether wonderful to me I'll never know 
how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my Altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy. Altogether wonderful to me. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Let's read from Isaiah 53, starting at verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. As we enter this time of worship, let's pray together that the Lord will come to you in your homes and will come and minister his peace, his love. He will fill you with his presence. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, his willingness to be led like a sheep to the slaughter. How how we are so deeply amazed, so deeply moved by the willingness of the Father to send his Son. Father, thank you that you ordained this, that you chose this. Lord Jesus, thank you that you embraced the journey of the cross, that you embraced it, took hold of it. And Spirit, we pray, help us to see deeply into the true meaning of the cross, that it may change our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died my riches gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride 
Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast Save in the death of Christ my God All the vain things that charm me most Sacrifice them to his blood at the cross, love bled for me at the cross, love set me free, your love for me endured a world of pain and the world. Never been the same See from his head His hands His feet Sorrow and love Flow mingled Down Such love and sorrow meet Or thorns compose so rich a crown At the cross Love bled for me At the cross Love set me free Your love for me Endured a world of pain And the world Has never been the same At the cross You took all my sin At the cross Heaven took me in At the cross For the world You took all the blame And the world has never been the same Were the whole realm of nature mine That were a present far too small Love so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my own demands my soul my life My soul, my life, my own. We're going to continue with a, a song. Um, it's written from the perspective of the Apostle John, uh, looking at, uh, at Jesus on the cross. Um, as he was crucified. It's a song called Love Lies Bleeding. The highest waves in the deepest sea Couldn't wash away this memory Or this feeling of intense unease as love lies bleeding And I turn away in disbelief With a hurricane of fear in me And a shattered sense of loyalty 
as love lies bleeding and my thoughts of bravery grew wings and flew away from me and left me as a man bereaved feeling with his soul and oh the so small by hands just like these my love lies bleeding and my thoughts of bravery grew wings and flew away from me and left me as a man bereaved feeling with his soul And oh, the agony to see what I now see. Love lies bleeding. Love lies bleeding all alone. All alone. All alone. In Mark 15, starting at verse 21, we read, A certain man from Cyrene, Simon the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, and then they offered him wine mixed with, mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see, what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left, and those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. And in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died... He said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance, and among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger of Joseph and Salome. And in Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there.
Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there? When they nailed him to the tree Were you there When they pierced his precious side Were you there When they pierced his precious side Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that he gave for us and the way that he came to rescue us. We could not save ourselves. But you, Christ Jesus, came and gave everything for us. And Lord, as you gave your life for us, I pray that we will continually give our lives to you. Amen. Well, at any point, if God is speaking to you and you would like prayer, do go to the chat room to be prayed with and people will connect with you and we're just really touched that you have joined us. And now, Pastor Glenn, uh, 
campus pastor from our South community is going to come and share a word with us about the power and the reality of the cross. Thank you, Pastor Phil. And uh, it's just such an honor to be able to share the word of God with you today on this incredible day, Good Friday. Uh, Last week in Live Lounge, they sang a beautiful uh, song. They led us in the song, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? And I noticed some of the chat comments as uh, we were singing this song. And there was words like old, classic, I love the old songs. And I was like, whoa, hang on a second. If this song is old, then I'm really old because I was singing it. I was enjoying it. I was doing it to the point of embarrassing my family in the front room. It was great. Why do I love these old songs? It's because they bring back such great memories. I can remember what Sarah and I were doing. I can remember where we were, what we were doing in, for work, what we were doing in the church. And they, they evoke all these experiences and these great feelings. And that's what's great about being familiar with something. I was reading this week that familiarity is not a bad thing. Familiarity with with something can be really great. You can learn to love and enjoy and you become comfortable around something. and, And that's a good thing. We went for a trip this last summer to Britain and uh, took my two boys and my wife and we did a bit of a tour around and I took them to Chester, which is where I spent a lot of my time being schooled in education. And I remember walking to my school along these incredible Roman walls, these beautiful Roman ancient walls. But as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy, I had no interest in these walls. They were just merely a way of getting from A to B in as short a time as possible so that my teachers wouldn't yell at me at the end. But going back this summer, the journey was different. I took my ball, uh, boys on the, on the walls and, and, and it, was, it was a good time. We journeyed together. We pointed out different things together and there was this awe. There was this fascination. It was beautiful. See, I was really familiar with the walls and, and, and I held them in some contempt. And they say that familiarity breeds contempt. But for my boys, this was a new experience. This was incredible. This caused them to pause, to say thank you, to enjoy, to have their breath taken away a little bit by the history. We're moving into uh, this, this celebration of Easter and Good Friday is a powerful day. And I want us to think about how familiar we are with it. Are we so familiar with the idea of Easter that that actually we have a little, not contempt perhaps, but just, you know, it's just the same. We, We talk about Jesus dying. We talk about Jesus rising again. We throw some eggs around our garden or our yard and the kids look for them and, and it can become just familiar. The thing with Easter is that it's filled with powerful moments, powerful words that, that we really should just pause and consider, like going on a walk. We walk through the story of Easter and we think, what's this got to do with me? How does this impact me? And, and, I, and I wonder whether we take the time to do that. So my hope is, as we, as we spend just a few minutes together, I want to take you on a bit of a journey And I'm praying that this journey will not be one that is so familiar that we just shrug at the idea of Easter, but we'll pause and we'll consider the view, we'll consider the moment, we'll consider these beautiful words like resurrection and crucifixion and and saviour, the gospel. Now there's a word that is really used a lot, gospel. And yet this word gospel changes lives. It changes the trajectory of lives. It, it takes you from a place of, of what was and uh, to something that is full of promise and what could be. And this word gospel is an incredible word. And I want to take you right back into the time of Isaiah. So as we start pulling this word gospel, which is truly what Easter is all about, the gospel. As we pull this story apart, as we go on this journey, we have to start in a place hundreds, thousands of years ago in the time of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah in chapter 52, he's referring to an incredible time in the history of Israel. See, Israel had just experienced a tragic event. Jerusalem, and many of these images come from the beautiful Bible project, but Jerusalem had had gone through an attack from the Babylonians and, and they were in absolute disarray. The people who were left were afraid. 
They were petrified. They were questioning. What's going on? Why, why did this happen? We're the city of God. We're Jerusalem. Where are the promises? Where's the hope? What does our future look like? Is anybody going to come and help us? They were broken beyond anything they could imagine or believe. You see, Jerusalem was a special city. It's not just like a city like we might think of Kelowna or or Chester or wherever you might be watching this from. Jerusalem was the center of God's promise. And so they were asking, has God abandoned us? Has he forgotten about us? See, the throne and the center of Jerusalem was broken. The presence of God felt like it wasn't there anymore. And these people were desperate. Jerusalem had been designed for a specific task. It had been designed to house the presence of God. It had been designed as a place where people could come, they could gather, they could sacrifice, they could remember the good stories, the good times of God himself. That's what they were designed for. That's what Jerusalem was designed for. But now... The throne was broken. And Isaiah was really clear about whose fault it was. It wasn't some abstract outside uh, force that had caused them to break, even though they could point fingers at the Babylonians. Actually, the real problem where he said in Isaiah 52, where the problem really laid was in actually Israel's choices, that they'd abandoned God. They'd walked away from him. They held him in disregard. You could say they'd become over-familiar with him. They kind of shrugged at God. They'd gone back to their old ways. And, and Isaiah was really clear. He said, this is, this is your fault. This is your problem. And friends, as you're listening to what I'm saying this morning and, and, and this afternoon, depending on when you're watching it on Good Friday, let me, let me tell you this. We resonate with Jerusalem Because in many of our lives, it feels like there's a point of time where we feel the center of our lives is broken. That that something's missing. We maybe feel abandoned. We wonder what the future might hold. We wonder what God's in store for us. Maybe you're not even thinking about God, but you just know that inside the holy of holies, inside your heart, inside your soul, as the Bible would call it, is, is something missing, is something broken. But there's hope. There's hope on the horizon. And there's this story, as you read in Isaiah 52, about a watchman. See, the watchmen were looking on the, on the walls of the city. And this is what it says. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye, they see the return of the Lord to Zion. So it's not completely hopeless. Yes, the throne is broken. Yes, we struggle with issues. Yes, we struggle with life. Yes, we have big questions. And maybe sometimes we've even shook a fist at God himself, wondering what his plan is, what the future holds. But can I tell you that that it's like we're watchmen, we're looking out for the promise, we're looking for some hope. These watchmen stood on the walls, literally looking out at the horizon, looking for this good news that Isaiah refers to. And then a long way in the distance, running towards the city, running towards Jerusalem with a message. Can you imagine the anticipation? What is this message going to be? Does he bring good news? Does he bring bad news? All the people would have been waiting for the messenger to come with news as to what was going to happen next. And he would come through the gate. He would be absolutely exhausted. And all of them would lean in, ready to hear what this messenger was going to share. And Isaiah says something really fascinating. Because this messenger would have run a long time. This was a common thing for armies to use. They would send a messenger with news back to the home city. And it was a horrible journey for this messenger. And often resulted in horrendous injuries and broken and cut feet. But look what Isaiah says. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Just imagine them listening to this. How can this possibly be? We've just been destroyed. We feel abandoned. And yet the watchman comes with good news of happiness and salvation. How beautiful are the feet of him. And yet the feet 
are not that beautiful. It's the news that is beautiful. This is good news. This is good news. There's a king returning is what Isaiah has said. And this king is going to bring good news. He's going to bring rejoicing. He's going to redeem the people. He's going to bring hope. He's going to sit back on the throne and bring back those things that they had been missing. That was his plan, this good news. And the people would have welcomed him. Break forth together into singing, says Isaiah. You waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. What has this got to do with you and I? This good news. You see, as I've said, we sometimes feel like there's something missing, something broken, something just not right. And Christian friends, maybe we've got over familiar with God and God's place in our lives. Maybe we've got over familiar with Easter. Maybe there's many of you watching or just kind of thinking about Christianity. You're not really sure what this whole gospel is about, what Easter is really about. It's about good news. There's a king coming and he's a king who's bringing happiness. Even in the midst of turmoil, he brings good news. And this word good news in the New Testament is euangelion. It literally means the word of all words, gospel the gospel. And that's what we're remembering at Easter, that there's a returning king. Whenever this word was used, it was always in reference to a king coming back with good news. And see, this king would come and he would be ready to sit on his throne and the people would sigh and say, yes, where is hope? There is happiness. Except we have a new king at Easter and his name is Jesus see, Jesus came with good news. He came with the gospel. He came with a new start, a fresh start. So some of the questions, have we been abandoned? No. Is there a future? Yes. Is there a way out? Yes, there is hope. There is a new start, a new creation, that the old things have gone, the new things have come. And you might be listening to this saying, I've been looking for something new in my life. Can I tell you, can I suggest to you, as many millions of people would say that Jesus is the one who brings that. God has not abandoned you. He's come in a surprising way. You see, they were waiting for this king, the Messiah, but they were waiting for a conquering king that came with an army. They were waiting for them to come back and you see now in Jesus' time, the Roman authorities were in charge and, he, and they were waiting for somebody, a political ruler, somebody who had might and power to come and overturn these authorities. What they weren't banking on was Jesus, who came humbly. He came quietly, but he was still a conquering king. He still brought good news. He still brought the gospel You see, Jesus and everything that he did was countercultural. He came in a countercultural way. And he still does. See, what we do is we're looking out on our walls of our lives, looking for hope, looking for an answer, looking for a way out. What we do is we look for a different kind of king, a different kind of queen. We might look at king money. We might look at king or queen possessions, power, authority, just anything that will somehow lift us out of where we're at. That's what we're looking for. But Jesus didn't come with that. He came with a different message. He came with a message that says, look, you've got to love those that persecute you. You've got to care for your enemies. You've got to take time that the least will be the greatest. The weakest will be the most powerful. That he came in humility and it was completely countercultural. He was stood right in front of them. The answer to anything and everything that they could dream of. And yet so many of them looked past him and said, but there must be a different answer. No, the answer was Jesus and the message of the gospel. And he was hated for it. The leaders at the time of Jesus, they conspired together and they'd said enough is enough. We don't want this Jesus. We do not want this Messiah. We want a different kind of Messiah of our own choosing. We want help of our own choosing, not one that looks like this, not one that looks like Jesus. And so the journey towards the cross began for King Jesus. It starts coming into Jerusalem. 
the returning king, not coming on some grand stallion, but coming on a donkey, coming on something that's humble. And the crowd shouted, and we remembered this this last Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they welcomed him, this same crowd, that three days later would be crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And that's a picture of our lives often. We're okay with God when things are going well. And yet we're quick to turn and perhaps blame him when things are not. You see, Jesus came with a message. And Jesus came with power. Because he recognized then and now that our world has been corrupted and broken and devastated by sin. And just like Jerusalem in Isaiah's time, sin of our own choosing, our own decisions that have brought us to a point where we're desperate. That our world is filled with injustice and persecution and horror. And we hate that. There's something inside of us that knows it's wrong. So Jesus came. And he allowed himself to be persecuted. He made the decision to give up his own life. In fact, he said himself, I do not have my life taken away from me. How could he? He was God. I give my life. I give my life. And they readily took it. They beat him. And I, part of me wants to go into great detail. But I know that there are young people and children watching. And so all I will say is this. It was the horror of horrors. It was a death so filled with shame. So filled with horror and pain. In fact, the death that Jesus ultimately died, he went... As a king with a crown of thorns, the returning conquering king with a crown of thorns and a robe. How is this the case? How can a conquering king who's going to relieve us of our persecution and that broken throne, how is this conquering king going to be smashed on the cross? How can that be? Why is that the case? See, we know from history that, that the cross, the crucifixion was a unique way to die. See, the Romans were very, very good at conquering most of the world because they knew how to kill quickly. The cross wasn't designed to kill quickly. It was designed to bring shame, lasting shame for all the time that you were hung on the cross. And Jesus endured that. It was, quite frankly, a disgusting way to die. Never mind for a king, for anybody. Why did it have to be this way? Why did Jesus die on this cross? You see, we love the idea of Jesus at Christmas. We love the idea of Jesus and the stories and the Gospels. And and there's so many wonderful stories. But essentially, everything in the New Testament and everything in the Old Testament, from the beginning in Genesis, everything was culminating at this point. Friends, this is what Christianity is all about. The conquering king dying slowly on a cross, breathing forgiveness to those who are doing it. That's what Easter is about. Have we become familiar to that? Do we shrug towards that? Does it no longer have impact in our lives? That is what we need to consider on this Good Friday. So why? Why is it that he had to die this way? You see, the scripture says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. How is this good news? How is this, the gospel, good news? How does this connect with me? How does this change my life? How does this change your life, wherever you're watching around the world? How does this change the trajectory of your life forever? Well, the first piece of good news is this, is in Genesis That God created man and woman and loves you. That's good news. It's good news that he has a plan for you. That there's a promise. You were designed, just like Jerusalem, to contain the presence of God himself. That's what you were designed to be. And the reason I know that is because you are never satisfied. 
There's always something else that you want to do. There's always something else that we want to attain, something we want to strive to. That desire, that thing that is inside humanity has been placed inside of you by a God that knows that the only way that you are ever going to be satisfied is by having relationship and communion with him sat on the throne of your life. Because you're bigger and better and more amazing than those things that we chase after that are temporary. That's the good news. The bad news is we decided we could get those things by ourselves. The bad news is, is we, we chased down our own choices, that we replaced God on the throne of our lives with ourselves. That's the bad news. And the bad news is, is that has separated us from God. You see, God can't have anything to do with sin, otherwise he would cease to be God himself. That's the bad news. The really bad news is there's nothing that you and I can do about it. There's nothing good enough for you to close that gap. You cannot be generous enough. You cannot be charitable enough. You cannot be a good person enough to close that gap because your comparison of what you think is good, what I think is good, is so far removed from God himself that there had to be a different way. See, that's the really bad news. We love the idea of God being a loving, generous God in heaven ready to give good gifts to his kids. We love that idea, but the same Bible that presents that image of God also speaks about how he is perfectly just and how he can't have anything to do with sin, that sin itself, the choices that you and I have made, deserve punishment. And for him just to ignore that would actually make him an unjust God. See, as a dad... I know there are times when my kids need discipline and I do it lovingly, knowing that this is the right thing. And you see, God looks at us in our broken state with broken thrones, trying to fix ourselves by our own sin. And he says, it's not good enough. There has to be a better way. And so this is where the gospel comes in. This is the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came, the gospel. He said, I will take that punishment. I will die on the cross. I will take the pain and suffering and all the shame that you feel. It'll die on the cross with me. And the really good news is it's a free gift. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. And he died. But the story wasn't finished. He rose again. You see, he beat death himself. He beat death. Jesus defeated death by his love for you and for me. Christian friends, let's consider that view. Let that never become familiar to us. Let's sing it. Let's pray it. Let's talk about it. Let's lift it up this Easter time that Jesus Christ gave his life for you because he loves you and he defeated death and all that death brings by his own love this conquering king comes in power in strength how do we know that as he rose again and we celebrate that in a couple of days time in three days he rose again defeating death which means that Jesus can now come and sit on the throne of the lives of those people who believe in him that Jesus will come into your life and sit on the throne which you were designed for and will bring peace and will bring happiness. Does that mean life is easy? No. But it does mean that as you face life and all its challenges and all its difficulties that you have King Jesus sat on the throne of your heart. That's a free gift. That's the really good news. That today... As Pastor Phil leads us in communion in just a few minutes, as he prays this life-changing prayer that truly will change the trajectory of your life forever, that you receive him and you are changed. That's the really good news. And he defeated the death. And let's be honest, sometimes it feels like death. Sometimes sin weighs so heavy. Our choices weigh so heavy. The things happening to us and around us feel so heavy. And you're looking for a watchman. You're looking for hope. You're looking for a promise. Can I tell you, his name is King Jesus. Won't you give your life to him today? And I'm believing, if you're hearing my voice, that you are sensing 
that draw. The Bible says that he draws men and women and children to himself. Are you feeling that? So we'd like to invite you to respond to it. That today, Good Friday, 2020, in the midst of all this chaos, that King Jesus becomes your conquering king. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. What a powerful word. The conquering king. The king who came to conquer by the power of love. That's what makes all the difference in our lives. And we're going to remember now the Lord Jesus Christ through communion. But maybe as you've listened to that message, you know that it's time for you to get right with God. You know you've been so far away, distant. It only takes a prayer to stop and say, Lord, I acknowledge you as my saviour. Just a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. I pray it slow enough that if you choose, you can repeat it after me. But take the essence of this prayer from your heart. It's not the words. It's whether you mean them that make the difference. And if you cry out to God in whatever words, he will hear you. If you're willing to accept that you are a sinner, ask God to forgive you. And invite Jesus to come and be Lord of your life and choose to be disciple. You can right now. Here's the prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, on this Good Friday, I give my whole life to you. To you. As you gave your life for me upon the cross. Upon the cross. I give myself to you. Forgive me of my sins. Of where I've offended you. And forgive me for how I've lived my life without you. Today I choose to make you Lord of my life. I choose to follow you, Jesus. Amen. That is your first step. Step of salvation. If you responded, if you prayed that prayer to commit your life to Jesus, please. It's a little button at the bottom of the screen. Do just touch that and say, I chose to give my whole life to Jesus and contact us and email us or message us. But communion is about remembering all that Christ has done, which captures the very heart of Good Friday. Jesus took bread. He's with his friends. And he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Father, we praise you for the bread and thank you that in the same way you were broken for us and that you gave your whole life for us. And we remember the body of Christ, which is broken for you. Eat it in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the same manner, he took the cup and poured out the wine saying that this is the blood of the new covenant. My blood that takes away the sins of the world. We are clean. We are cleansed. We are forgiven because of the blood of Christ. Father, thank you for the blood of Christ. 
In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Take my name Love is my Redeemer Lifting me up from the ground Love is the power Where my freedom song is found There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down Ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound Gonna rise up out of the ground There ain't no grave Gonna hold trumpet sound love is my weapon I'm gonna take my giants down there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down ain't no grave gonna hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise up out of the ground There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down Hey, hey, hey Now there was a battle, a war between death and life, and there on a tree the Lamb of God was crucified, and he went on down to hell, and he took back every key, and he rose up as a lion, now he's setting all the captives free, there ain't no grave. Hold his body down There ain't no grave Could hold his body down When he heard the trumpet sound He 
rose up out of the ground There ain't no grave Could hold his body down There ain't no grave Could hold his body down Couldn't hold his body down We want to thank you for joining us on this Good Friday. Just a powerful time as we've heard some great words that challenge us and can change our lives as we've Listen to songs that are so beautiful and so meaningful. And we know that Christ can change your life. Do join us uh, this Easter for our Easter services. Join us on Saturday evening, Sunday morning and Sunday night. And we would love to connect with you. And for those in our church family, please do uh, donate and give to Willow Park Church at this time. Uh, you can do that through uh, online giving. For those of you that have just joined us as guests, we are so grateful that you've taken the time. And thank you. And may the Lord be with you. Let me pray as we finish. Father, bless every home that has connected with us today on Good Friday. May they know the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. May they know the love of God filling their lives. And may they experience that close and profound intimacy with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.